born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Ephesians and chapter 1, the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Now, last Sunday, I gave you a little overview of the chapter and the book. So I just want to kind of hit a few little high spots, I believe, there in the first chapter. Written by, I believe, the human writer was Paul. The divine author is the Lord. So God is the author of his word, and he uses men that were moved or guided by the Holy Spirit to write his word. So in the book of Ephesians in chapter 1, look there in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Now you ought to be able to say, I am a truck driver by the will of God, or I am a janitor by the will of God. I'm a housewife by the will of God. Whatever it is that you're supposed to believe that that's the will of God, whatever you're doing. And if you have any particular job, or maybe you don't have a job. I do not have a job by the will of God. <laughs> but you've got to look at life in the sense that how or what did God call me to do with my life? That's what I am. I'm a Christian, but once you understand what you are, then you know what you're supposed to do. I am a fireman. Then you know exactly what I'm supposed to do. What? Put out fires. I'm a soldier. So you know what a soldier's supposed to do. He goes and fights for, uh, for your country and all. But he was a, an apostle. It means one that is sent from God with a particular message, having seen Christ after the resurrection. So he was an eyewitness and personally sent by the Lord. Uh, people today that claim to have, uh, you know, the apostleship all the way down the line, and there's groups that call themselves the apostolic church. Uh, it is not an apostolic church. You can call yourself anything that you want. There's churches that are called the Church of Christ. That is not the Church of Christ. There's a one called the Church of God. That's probably not the Church of God. Uh, there is a church, and uh, it's where... Because, see, if you, if you don't really believe in salvation by grace, well, then you're not even saved. So lost people don't have churches. Churches is a body of believers. So there's a lot of organizations. There's a lot of people having meetings, but they're not churches. There's a lot of people playing church, imitating church, organized just like a church. They're just not a church. Because if they don't believe in eternal security, 
You don't believe the Bible. You don't believe salvation is free. See, any person who believes that salvation is really by grace, they have no problem with eternal security. If you don't believe it's by grace, you got problems with eternal security. Because you just can't believe that. Well, if you can't believe eternal security, you can't believe grace. You can't believe it's free. Because if you believe that God can save me for a day, why can't you believe He can save you forever? Amen. That is so simple and clear in my mind. Verse 2. Now, he's writing to the saints here at Ephesus. A lot of times you'll see little notes and say, this is not in the oldest manuscript. I don't care if they're not in the oldest manuscript. The oldest manuscript is not the criteria for me believing that it's uh, scripture or not. For example, if you had uh, a lot of copies that were made, some corrupt and some correct. Well, the ones that are correct will be used and the ones that are incorrect will not be used. So they'll have some of those and the other ones are used up. So these are the oldest manuscript and they're corrupt so they don't have some parts of the Bible in it. That doesn't make it right. I believe that what we have is sufficient. And I don't even trust old Schofield reference Bible notes when it says these are probably not in the old manuscripts or we're not supposed to count these. I most certainly do. Anyway, I believe a lot of good Schofield notes, but not all of them. And you've got to pick and choose. In verse 2, grace be unto you. Now, he's already writing to believers. So we're not talking about salvation, but the grace, the desire, the power to do the will of God in your life. That's what everybody should have and what everybody should want. It also says, and peace from God the Father. Well, he's already my father. Uh, this isn't peace with God. This is the peace of God. So he's going to take these believers and teach them some wonderful truths about heavenly blessings. Blessings that you have already received. You know, a lot of people don't sometimes get it whenever God told Abraham, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. We know now, according to the book of um, Galatians in chapter 3, that being blessed with Father Abraham was having eternal life, was being saved by grace, by faith alone. Third chapter explains all of that. And so he says, and God, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, and these shall all families of the earth be blessed. Talking about the gospel. Now, whenever we go back there to Genesis, we would probably never associate that little statement with the gospel. But it is. I believe there's a lot of truth in the Old Testament that we haven't seen because we haven't used the, um, some understanding from the New Testament to go back there and to explore it. And they'd be surprised how it could lighten it up. Uh, for example, when David says in the 16th Psalm, uh, Thou will not leave his soul in hell. Okay. We don't really understand what David was talking about as clearly as when you study the book of Acts in chapter 2, where it talks about that and refers to it. And we know it's talking about Christ not being left in the, uh, the grave and about the resurrection and all that's mentioned there. So there's light in the New Testament that shined upon dark passages in the Old Testament. And it can really help you. So he says here in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who hath, past tense, blessed us with our spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, because you trusted Christ as your Savior, the Bible says the Holy Spirit places you in the body of Christ. So you're in Christ. That was done when you trusted Christ as Savior. Because of who you are and where he placed you, you have been blessed by God. Now, when he talks about being blessed in the heavenlies, uh, look there in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, and look what it says in verse 6. Now, we know according to um, Galatians, oh, it makes a statement that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the faith that I now have is because of the Son of God who gave himself for me and so on. He says here in verse 6, and hath raised us up together. So you see, we were raised up together. Well, when did that take place? Well, look in verse 5. Even when we were dead, that means separated from God because of our sins, hath quickened or made us alive. So we were dead, separated from God. Quickened means to be made alive with God. See up here in verse 1, And you hath he quickened, made alive, who were separated. So you and I see when we trust Christ as Savior, we're joined together with the Lord, and it can never be separated again. You can never die. Die means you can never be separated from Christ. So he that hath the Son hath life. And if you don't have the Son, you don't have eternal life. So he makes a statement here in verse 5. And uh, when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us, and get that word, together with Christ. So when Christ came back again from the dead, made alive, we were in Christ, remember. So when Christ died on the cross, well, we died. And that means it's like I paid for my sins. I paid for them. I was in debt, and I paid for my sins. But I did it in him. Well, what he did was put to my account just like I did it. But I didn't really do it. He did it. But he did it for me. So he was my substitute. God accepted the substitute that made the payment for me. I accepted it. Lo and behold, done. Paid in full. So I was buried with Christ because I died with him. And then when he came back from the dead, I came back from the dead with him. And whenever he ascended into heaven, well, so did I. Now hold your place right here. Just turn over to the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians. And look there in chapter 2. And look there in verse 12. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. So when God performed this operation and brought him back to life, you and I in him were brought back to life at the same time. So it happened 2,000 years ago. So when Christ died 2,000 years ago, well, he did it for me. So his death, burial, and resurrection, all three were put to my account. But not just that. His ascension into heaven was put to my account. And when he sat down, it's like that's when I sat down. Like the work's done. You see, all that that he did was put to our account. It's like we did it, but we didn't really do it. 
But we are in Christ. And so as you study the book of Ephesians, you'll find that it's talked about over and over again. In Him. In Him. In Him. In whom? In Christ. And you'll find that all through the book. Look what else you said. In uh, verse 13, And you, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened, and here's that word together, together with who? With him. Together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Because in other words, if they're all forgiven, there's no sin to condemn you. You are free. You are clear. Uh, look what he says in verse 1 of chapter 3 of Colossians. If ye then, if ye then, be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Now, that is our position in Christ, but in reality, you and I know, we're still down here on the earth. But that is just how secure you and I are. We are that secure. We are already there in the eyes of God. It's already over. It's already done. It's difficult for us to grasp the, the truth that God from the beginning can see everything as though it's already passed. And yet it hasn't even happened yet. Blows your mind a little bit, don't it? But look what he says. So since we're supposed to believe that, this is how we're supposed to live. In verse 2, set your affections on things above not on things on the earth. Now, this is the hardest part that any preacher has with anybody. Trying to get people to set their affection, that desire, that love for things beyond this life. To live for something that's bigger and better than anything in this world. That's difficult to do. Because the preachers have a hard time doing it too. Because we still live here. But isn't it wonderful to know that because of this positional truth is there. And it's real. But in reality, I'm also here still on the earth. Live here the way I am pictured there. I, in living here, should live a godly, holy life. Look what he says. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are, what? Dead, and your life is hid with who? With Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. He is my life. I'm supposed to believe that the Lord lives inside of my body and has total use of my body. So that I do and say those things that he wants me to do and say and think. His body belongs to him. So he ought to have the right to utilize my body. So if he has my body and your body and this body and that body and that body and that body and all the bodies of people who trust Christ as Savior, then he is the light uh, that is living in all of us. And we live only by the faith of the Son of God. And he's living his life through us. And uh, then he's, he's pleased. But majority of Christians fight against God. We want our own way. We are still sheep. There's a part of us that wants to do the things we've always done. We see the world, it's here, it's now. We don't think about that. So because we don't, we don't live the way we should. Anyway, 
A lot of good stuff about this year. But anyway, we'll go back here to the book of Ephesians. So now you've trusted Christ as Savior. You're his child. You have already been blessed. To get blessed some more. See, just to be saved is a blessing. To have the indwelling Holy Spirit, that's, that's a blessing. To have the Word of God, that's a blessing. To be able to serve the Lord this side of eternity, that's a blessing. To know that one day I'm going to get a new body, that's a blessing. I'm going to get rewarded for what I did, that's a blessing. So, has God been good to you? He hath already blessed you. Now, we talk about, and we want the Lord, and we often pray, Lord, bless my life. Bless indeed the decision that I make in trying to honor you and please you and all those things. And uh, we do consider those things some blessings. But sometimes we need to understand that sometimes the, the trials of life, the heartaches, are blessings in disguise. Because that's where your faith is really tried. Now, if God was to give you a million dollars, did you know you might fail the test? And God already knows that, so he's just going to keep you poor. Did you know that you might not be able to be trusted with a million dollars? Do you trust yourself with a million dollars? What would you do? Just what would you do? You shall not give it all to the church. Liar, 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 liar. What would you do if you had what would you do if you had a million dollars, Jonathan? He's in he's still in a state of shock. If you don't know what to do with it, just give it to me. I have a few ideas. Look in verse four. Now, because of what God hath done for us and because of who you are and where you are, in verse 4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, this is what God wants for you and I to stand before him perfect, without blame, holy, in love. So God has determined that because we're in Christ, and He is all of that, that's our standing. We're in Him. Now, we're supposed to take that and relate it down to where we really are, where we really have to live, what we call, you know, where the rubber meets the road. And many people get bent out of shape because they saw that word, God hath chosen. Okay. And then look in verse 5. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ, to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. So as you read this, it seems like God just gets to do anything he wants to do. Well, it's God, ain't he? Whenever God created the heavens and the earth, do you recall him asking you to come in there and get your opinion? I don't think he probably asked you what you thought about it. I don't even think he asked you the, well, whether you approved or not of the plan of salvation. I don't think you had anything to do with it, nor me. Have you ever asked the Lord to stop the earth because you've had enough and you want to get off? Have you ever told God, Lord, I didn't ask to be born? <laughs> Who did? Who did? Well, 
So God, from the foundations of the world, before there was a world, before God ever made a man, God had a plan. So God was not in a state of shock when Adam and Eve sinned. Like, oh no, no, what am I going to do? He knew what they were going to do before he ever put them in the garden. And it says that Jesus Christ was foreordained by the determinant counsel in Acts chapter 2, by the will of God, that he would make the payment for the sins of the world. He was slain from the foundations of the world. And the foundations were here before man was here. So in the beginning, God can look down to that long telescope of time and he had a plan. And he chose before man was ever born, before they did any good or any bad, God chose to save those who accepted his son and to reject those who reject his son. So that's how God chose all those that will be in Christ because they trusted the Lord. They believed the truth. You'll see that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So they believed the truth and they would be placed in Christ. And God has predetermined. Predestination is the security of the believer. Predestination is the security of the believer. It's not the security of the unbeliever to believe. And there's people who think, well, God loved me so much more than somebody else that he chose to save me over somebody else. No, 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 no. God so loved the world. So he loves all. And when he paid for the sins of the world, he, he paid for all of them. I had made a statement not long ago about the five dangers of Calvinism. Anybody remember that sermon? Well, I, uh, I preached that sermon, and there was a guy on the radio the other day, and he was teaching the exact opposite of everything I preached that day. His name was R.C. Sproul. Anybody ever heard of him? He said it as clear and as plain as day, everything contrary to what we believe about this book. And people think, well, he is such a theologian. And I think, you don't even understand predestination, foreknowledge, you don't understand the gospel, you don't. And I'm not amazed. I'm not impressed. I think even a child ought to see that he so loved the world. Well, that doesn't really mean that. It does too. Oh, certainly does. Christ died for the sins of the whole world. I really believe that. Well, now he didn't really die for the sins of the whole world, just for the chosen elect. And they twist and put a spin on everything. You, you don't do that. So he says, having predestinated us, those that are in Christ. But how did you get in Christ? By faith alone, in Christ alone, as the only hope of your salvation. So when you trusted Christ as your Savior, you are placed in Christ. And God has determined all those that are in Christ to be eternally secure. And they will be presented to the Father. Perfect, righteous, just. How can he say you have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies? And then you not show up. I mean, how would you like to do the bookkeeping for the Lord? Oh, there's 
Al out there. Yeah, Al, he trusts the Lord. Write his name down in the Lamb's Book of Life. There it is, down there. Uh, he messed up. Take his name out. Oh, no, he, got, he just got right again. Put it back. Okay. Oh, uh, he messed up again. Take it out. But, oh, he just got right again. Okay, put his name back in there. Ah, uh, he messed up again. Take it out. How would you like to do the bookkeeping? Every time you do right, you get put in. Every time you do wrong, you get taken out. How in the world would you know if you're secure or not? Not with that kind. That means the only way he could get out of there is because he did something wrong. Well, I didn't think his salvation should depend upon him. Well, it doesn't. And people say, oh, you're saved by grace. You're saved by grace. But then they butt it all over the place. Now get the middle part of verse 5. When he says, according to the good pleasure of his will. This is what he decided. He determined. Uh, look there. Hold your place right here. Look in the book of Romans in chapter 9. Romans in chapter 9. And look there in uh, verse 9. Romans 9, verse 9, page 1203 says, For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also hath conceived by one, even by our father Isaac. Now get this statement. This is a very important statement. It's in parenthesis. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of what? Not of works, but of him that calleth. And how did he choose to save? To call everybody with the gospel. If I be lifted up, I will call all men unto me. But the only ones that can come are those who accept Christ as their Savior. These are the ones that are born of God, and God the Father gives them to the Son. And that is, I believe, with reference to the adoption. So he makes a statement here. Now, when you get down into verse 14 and so forth down through there, boy, does it get exciting. It gets very interesting. Uh, let's just take a quick look at a couple of this. So what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? No. In other words, because of the way God chose? Because God didn't ask your opinion. Does that mean God is wrong? Because he doesn't agree with the mind of man. So he says, for he saith to Moses, and get these I wills. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. In other words, it's not according to your works. God has chosen to save by grace and not by works. So it's not according to your will of trying to earn the right to be saved. It's going to be by grace and grace alone. Well, look what else he says. In verse 17, For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for the same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. In other words, God said, I'm going to use you as an example. When I was in school, I often had teachers say that to me. I'm going to make an example out of you. I didn't want to be an example. Did you know that God says, I'm going to make an example out of you? See, there's two things that God does. He has vessels of wrath, and he has vessels 
of mercy. If you happen to be a vessel of wrath, then God uses you as an example of the wrath of God. If you are an obedient child, a wonderful, loving child of God, then God can use you to show His mercy upon and His grace upon. But now what determines whether or not you are a vessel of wrath or a vessel of mercy? Your choice, obedience or disobedience. Have you ever heard preachers tell you that you must turn from sins to be saved and go to heaven? Does that mean you must turn from only the big sins or all sins before God will save you? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.